Hello, everybody, and welcome. Thank you for joining me. My name is Deontay Cruz. I go by they, them pronouns. I am your host for the podcast, Ending Youth Homelessness. And with me, I have two amazing guests. Um, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves in a moment. We can start to my right. Kiki, can you introduce yourself, name, pronouns, position, and how you're connected with Away Home Washington? Definitely. Um, well, as you just heard, my name's Kiki Sarantas. I use she and they pronouns. I'm the training and engagement director. And I've actually been with Away Home Washington for almost two years in about a week. Um, but I've been a director just since February when our little baby training and engagement department uh, actually became a reality. Love it. And Anjali, what about you? Uh, my name is Anjali Riddick. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the Prevention and Diversion Training Manager, and I'm fairly new with only five months out of way home, Washington. All right. All right. So um, first question, actually, I'm just going to like dive right into it. First question is really targeted towards you, Kiki. You have an interesting sort of vantage point with the training and engagement department that we're launching with your tenure here at Washington. You sort of came in at an interesting time right into some of the work that we're doing with diversion and prevention. So can you tell folks a little bit about your history with the Way Home Washington? When you started, what was your role and how it's evolved into what it is now? Yeah, and I'll do my best, but boy, have we been through a lot of changes and we're still going through a lot of like really good, exciting changes since I even since I started. Uh, so like I said, I started in October 2020. So it was quite a wild time for us all in the middle of COVID and everything. Um, and I was brought on specifically to uh, help implement our central, what was called then the Centralized Diversion Fund, um, which we have since renamed to our uh, Youth and Young Adult Homelessness Prevention and Diversion Fund. Um, back then, our, our whole organization was only like 11 people with me included and Deontay included. Um, one, we only had two or three, we had three departments. Um, and this, this program actually, actually existed inside of our, our flagship program, the Anchor Community Initiative, which I know we've had a couple uh, discussions on this podcast about before. So I won't go too much into that. But what I will say is that this tool, a centralized diversion fund, or really any flex fund as we see in our model, um, works really well and is intentionally, we intentionally created as a method and tool for communities to uh, reduce and prevent homelessness in, in, their, in their communities. And so it was originally launched in our first anchor community, Spokane County, Yakima, Walla Walla, Pierce counties. Um, and uh, the, the fund amount was tied to their actively homeless number. So they had spent a good portion of their time already making their by names list, understanding who was coming into their actively homelessness system. And they identified, uh, you know, a flex fund that would be able to house folks immediately outside of the homelessness system as a key kind of piece of the puzzle. So, and for me personally, having lived experience where a tool like this could have definitely, uh, you know, shorten some of those those housing crises in my own life or um, with lots of folks I know, I could just see how a flexible tool like this that can both prevent um, and intervene in a housing crisis can, can be essential. Yeah, so started off with the centralized diversion fund, 
morphed into the homelessness prevention and diversion fund because it does both prevention and diversion came out of the anchor community initiative our flagship program and is now under the training and engagement department so let's talk a little bit about that what is the training and engagement department how well, many staff do y'all have what are the roles and responsibilities well i'm so glad you asked um as i kind of hinted we are a brand new department um, and since 2018, when our Away Home Washington really started um, and the Anchor Community Initiative really started, I don't think any folks knew then. I wasn't here yet, but I don't think any of us knew, um, you know, how big this would get. But in since just in the, that short time since 2018, the ACI team, the Anchor Community Initiative team, has been testing out what it takes on the ground in these communities in both rural and more urban settings. Um, to try and figure out like what is that kind of secret sauce of what it takes to end youth and young adult homelessness. And that isn't to say that we think we have it all figured out or anything like that, but we do know that there are certain building blocks of this work that we at least have tested out and tried that, um, that does unlock some change at the community level to house young people better than we have in the past. So the training and engagement department comes out of this vision of really wanting to see an entire state that has the ability to house young people in their home community if they want to, without them having to leave to get those resources, right? We wanna see a yes to yes Washington where we can house people where they wanna be housed. And uh, while our anchor community initiative does take a very like intensive coaching approach, we want to be able to elevate those building blocks, those lessons learned, and those specific attitudes and skill sets um, across the state. So enter training and engagement. Um, that's where we are, we're heading. We're really trying to create a whole suite of pathways and entry points into our philosophy for ending youth and young adult homelessness. And I will just say, like the Homelessness Prevention and Diversion Fund, um, is one of those emerging innovations that we tried and tested on the ground in the ACI and are continuing to try and test. Um, but we know there is a, a lack of shared understanding around how to do housing first for young folks, especially when flex funds are involved, um, and a need for a lot of our partners in the state to kind of come together and and rally around like best practices. And so we moved the HPDF program from the ACI into the training engagement so we can more intentionally build upon those best practices, those recommendations, and ideally see more flex funds pop up all across the state. So you talked a little bit about the Homelessness Prevention and Diversion Fund under TNE. Right now, you guys are a super team of two. That is growing, I might add. But that homelessness prevention and diversion work is now being carried by Anjali, if I'm correct. And so you have a crucial role in the success of this program. Can you talk a little bit about that, Anjali? Yeah. <clears throat> so one of the fav my favorite things about the HPDF and having a flexible spending fund is that we are able to center justice and services on our strengths and explore the possibilities and being very creative in housing solutions. Um, I really appreciate the fact that we're able to basically process a fund often within two days. So it's immediate, it's low barrier, um, it's accessible, and it really, really serves the needs outside of like long systems and wait lists and things like that that can often like prevent somebody from being housed in, within the immediate need. 
Um, so I'm incredibly excited to be part of this team and be part of the work because it truly is um, a fund that allows us to um, respond to a need and really truly prevent and never the experience young people have with homelessness and systems of um, oppression and marginalized like youth. Um, I don't like that term very much, but it does let us meet those needs. Yeah, yeah. And so as you kind of hinted at Kiki, um, you know, we started off with the ACI working with four communities. We call them our OG communities. We got Spokane County, Walla Walla County, Yakima County, and Pierce County. Shout out to them because they really sort of led the way. And now we've expanded into 10 counties, nine communities. And so um, let's talk a little bit about how many communities at this point, Anjali, are accessing the HPDF. So right now we have four counties that are actively accessing the HPDF fund. <clears throat> we're about to bring on, oh gosh, five, five more. Yeah, we're, we're doing it in kind of a tiered approach, uh, matching with like the communities. Um, and so I think we have two confirmed to launch within the next six months. Okay, okay, I see y'all. And so we don't wanna just force that on them. We wanna make sure that they're ready to receive that and that they're ready to implement that. Um, when they have all the resources and capacity necessary, which I think is smart. Kiki, I have peeped the early stages of the report. It is now out in the world. We kind of worked a little yeah. closely. I'm putting it out there. I know the amazing work that you all are doing. I know how many young people have accessed it last year. Can you talk a little bit about how many young people have accessed it this year? Yeah, and I will say, like, we have a public dashboard, and I think just to call out at the top that we're able to see in real time how this tool is uh, impacting uh, communities on the ground. And our, our fiscal administrators are just amazing at engaging their communities and constantly trying to improve upon how we're using this tool. And since May 2020, we've housed 720 youth and young adult households. So that's since the program has started. Um, and just from May 2021 to May 2022, we housed 441 young youth and young adult households. And I do say it like that because we found that actually a lot of our young folks, um, this intervention is not only like helping their own stability, but having a ripple effect to other folks in their lives, whether that be their children, whether that be their siblings. Um, and I can actually pull up right now and see on our public dashboard how many young folks uh, were pregnant and parenting upon this, like first receiving this intervention. And that is 32%, close to 32%. And um, I always think that's a really important number to highlight because uh, pregnant and parenting populations are often um, like a, a, for lack of a better phrase, like an invisible population in youth and young adult work, right? We, we automatically put those youth and young adults in the family category, right? When they're under the age of 25 and still um, having those unique needs like we all do, right? And so uh, we are able to kind of disaggregate that and see that as well. Um, and I can go on a whole tangent about all of our data. Um, I will say in, of that 441% of young folks um, housed in our report data for this last uh, contract cycle or a contract year, 55% um, of those young folks were uh, young people of color. 
Um, and I will say of all 441 young folks who were housed, 95% uh, were successfully diverted. 93% of those young folks were still housed 12 months later. And so I think I just want to pause because diversion, it's a housing first intervention. Um, you know, what diversion is, is, you know, a what it really is, is two things, what we're talking about. Creative housing conversations that explore a young person's um, network and their strengths um, in order to think creatively about a housing solution outside of coordinated entry. Um, and then providing flexible funds when needed. So the creative housing conversations are the most important part because that, that might lead to situations where funding isn't needed. And like, even in my own story, one of my experiences of homelessness, all it took for that to end was for me to get reconnected with my grandma in a different state, right? And so some of that stuff does happen, but we do know that funds are a crucial piece of, of getting folks housed. Um, but I do wanna like draw that distinction because it is just such, uh, we really wanna make sure that every single young person is having that conversation, whether or not that flex fund is ultimately um, provided or, or not. But usually as a short-term intervention where we're housing people, like Anjali said, the funds are processed in two days and folks are housed in about, you know, any, uh, I think the average uh, length of stay for lack of a better term um, is like 17 days. So what that is telling us is, um, you know, our program requirement is folks have to be housed within 30 days of the intervention. And it's actually more immediate than that. Um, and getting the check is happening in about two days or less. Um, and so I think when people hear this, there's this automatically mistrust of like housing first being the set up to fail dynamic. Like you're just gonna give young people money to be housed. And then what about employment? What about mental health? But you know what we have found is that you cannot work on those things without a place to sleep when you're actively in survival mode. Um, and the data is here now finally to back up what we have been thinking all along which is if you actually do house someone right away, um, it can lead to a longer lasting stability. And our data is showing about, like I said, 93% of young people are still housed at the 12 month mark. I love that, yes. And so I think an important thing to sort of hit on is that young people actually know what they need better than systems know what young people need. And so by putting the power back in the young people's hands, we're able to help them better towards the goals that they have to meet the needs that they have because nobody knows better than the people who are in the situation. But the other thing you did is you touched on two very important things there um, that I wanna sort of back up and talk about. So first, Anjali, can you talk about what housing first means? We touched on that theme, but can you define that for the audience for us? Yeah, the great thing about housing first and our, um, model is that the, the young people don't have to leave the community that they're currently in. So they're being served and being able to access funds and resources within the community they're in. We're able to make sure that they have a safe and stable place to stay within the 30 days with a solid housing plan. Um, and as Kiki said, it's once you have that stability, then you can work on things like employment and education and um, going to school and other things outside of the needs of just like survival mode. So once you have that safe and stable place, you're able to work on those other things. Um, and really like our goal is to make sure that everybody is housed, everybody deserves housing. 
And then we're working with outside the outside of the homeless systems. So we're also able to like, again, serve people within their community, meet those needs immediately, and hopefully prevent a night on the street or a night in a shelter um, and do that work within real time and real need. I love that. So everybody deserves housing regardless of the situations that they're battling. And it's a lot harder for folks to actually um, take care of the other things that they have going on if they don't have housing. It, it's a major distraction to be out in the streets trying to survive and take care of school and take care of your mental health and take care of getting a job and all these other things. So we at Away Home Washington firmly believe that all young people deserve housing regardless of what situation that they're going through. And in most cases, the housing actually helps them with all the other situations that they're going through. But the and second I thing- it. Can I add to this? Oh, also, yeah, no, go ahead. I feel like an important thing that we work, Anjali and I work with folks in the trainings as we're certifying folks on like how to have these creative housing conversations and center young people in those conversations is really getting folks to think differently about what we mean by housing. Because I think a lot of people come to the table with their own perceptions of like, well, that would never, I would never choose to live in that situation or that would not feel safe for me. And that is fine and valid. But as diversion, its purpose is to move folks along a continuum toward more permanent housing. And so for us, like a successful diversion is being able to stay somewhere for at least three months. But like I said, the data is proving they're able to stay there longer than that. Um, and and home and housing is always defined by the young person. And so we see a lot of our, our fund requests are going to things like move-in costs, rental assistance, application fees. But we get totally outside of the box creative ideas um, that allow young people to bring their strengths, bring their skills, and, and really find a housing solution that works for them. And I know we use this one a lot, but... You know, one young person had a lot of construction skills, um, had a family member with an unfinished basement. Um, and like after some conversation and some figuring out and a little bit of money to help in the meantime, uh, you know, Diversion was able to buy that young person construction tools they needed to maintain employment as well as complete that basement. So they had a place to live. Um, and we even encourage folks to like we've seen diversion be used to help young people stay in college when their uh, financial aid didn't come through and their housing was on the line. Um, we've seen young people use it to have uh, to purchase an RV. They had a place to hook it up long term. They had running water. Um, and this was the, the next step they needed. So I get really excited. And I know Anjali does, too, about just the, the yeah. ability to get creative here. I love that. I love all the creative ways and solutions that we're housing young people, especially when these solutions come from the young people. But I do want to touch back on this other thing you talked about. So you talked about um, one that we're having a lot of success with the HPDF in the communities that it is operating. But also there are other programs operating and not to say that like HPDF is the answer, but we know that we have some good outcomes when compared to some of the more traditional outcomes. And for the folks who are watching this, this is your cue. Go check out the report, go on our social media, sign up for our mailing list, get on that, get that report delivered directly to you. But for the folks who haven't seen that, Kiki, can you talk a little bit about how some of these outcomes stack up against traditional um, housing models, especially with the cost savings? Like for me, that is such a huge thing. 
Yeah, 100%. And I do, before I jump in, want to acknowledge that our philosophy at Away Home Washington and with the Anchor community is we need to have a whole suite of program types and services that a young person can choose from to meet where they're at. Some people do need permanent supportive housing. Some people do need transitional living and longer term support. And sometimes like a light touch intervention like how like like this doesn't make sense. But because this is such a newer intervention in the whole landscape of youth work, at least since I've been here, I've only seen these kinds of things starting to pop up in like the last decade, you know, um, you know, the entire time I've been working in it. But, you know, <laughs> but still, uh, they've really advanced in even just that time. Um, and so it does it. So what diversion does what these creative housing conversations do, um, they're driven by the young person and they uh, we we go through a series of engaging the young person, setting up a dynamic as a thought partner. So like making sure that uh, we are very clearly not, um, you know, telling them what what to do, but we're here to ask questions and whatnot. And then we spend a whole bunch of time actually creating like eco maps with young folks and and having conversations and training people to have conversations um, that really answer the question, like who would be upset if they knew you were here tonight and building in uh, plan A, plan B and plan C around that. Um, and so uh, what it does is it effectively diverts or prevents someone from going into our homelessness HMIS uh, or homelessness management information system. It's like the way that folks are able to track homelessness in their communities. Um, and it does flip the traditional uh, uh, like culture on its head, like where I think we all on here have experience in traditional uh, youth work where the adults in the room have all the answers and we're like, well, you're only 21 and your brain's not fully developed. So actually you should try this out instead. But like you pointed out, uh, uh, Deontay, or I should say Ben, <laughs> um, like, like you pointed out, Deontay, uh, like only people who are like, we know what we need ourselves best, people in that experience. And the same is true for young people. And um, now with two years of data, we are able to see it more effectively in the communities that we serve, um, how that works. And I know I've been talking a lot, but the other key component, this isn't just a diversion program, it's a centralized program. And so it doesn't just, it's not just like a fund that exists at one nonprofit in a county and then people have to get referred to it. No, no, no. We also flip that on its head, that traditional referral system. And uh, we train a broad intersecting group of people in these counties. Um, you don't have to have any formal title. We have everything from youth advisory board members, um, immigrant right council folks, tribal members, and then you're more like obvious, like homeless youth providers, schools folks, those kind of folks who are trained and actively having these conversations and using these funds with young folks. And the philosophy behind that is that young people are able to access what they need and hear about this fund with the people they trust, where they're already going, and who they feel comfortable with. Because anytime you refer someone through another program, that's just another opportunity to lose them um, and never hear from them again. Ooh. And I, I just want to add that we the greatest thing about the HPDF or having a flexible spending fund is that we really honor that there's 
people need different things. People want different things. And we're able, we don't have a one size fits all a cookie cutter model. We're able to really, like Kiki said, like find out what the youth needs and their mind and their perception and what works for them and really be able to make that happen. It's 100% youth driven. And that's just incredibly cool because it empowers young people to know that they matter, that they can, they, they have control over their lives and they're being supported. And we're here to make that happen with their vision in mind. Yes, I love that. We are here to make that happen because it takes a village. So let's talk about that. You, you talked about it a little bit, Kiki, but who are y'all working with? I know that we're working with OHY to get the into the communities, OHY, the Office of Homeless Youth, housed in the Chamber of Commerce. You're also working with folks in the communities where HPDF is currently operating. Who are some of those folks and what does that relationship look like? Yeah, so I, I will say this fund is made possible through our funders, the Office of Homeless Youth, and our private funders, the, the Schultz Family Foundation. Um, and even in just the two years, we've had some even um, solo, like anonymous donors, like donate on the community level because they can see like the impact that this is having. Um, and we do partner really closely with the Office of Homeless Youth when we, when this was first starting to uh, like craft it, right? And then now, um, in terms of where it's at, like on like we like we said, it's in our four original anchor communities. So that's Clark, or sorry, Spokane, <laughs> Walla Walla, Yakima, and Pierce. Um, uh, but next up, next up Clark County just identified, uh, their fiscal administrator. So we're looking to see them launch by the end of the year. Hopefully we can see that first, uh, request come in. And then, um, I don't want to put any more pressure on the other anchor communities because there's a couple more that we see, uh, a couple more counties that we see launching. And so I do want to clarify that the HPDF is a program that exists very explicitly within our anchor communities because it is tied to being the by names list and being to able to actively like reduce and end youth and young adult homelessness. But this work has inspired a whole other host of work uh, um, in the state around this and in and, and more partnerships. And so um, we are excited to continue exploring like flex funds. And we recently received a grant to help kind of scope up this type of work uh, for a specific population, folks exiting systems of care into youth and young adult homelessness. So uh, we're partnering very closely with Building Changes, who I have to just give a shout out to because Building Changes worked with Africatown to actually create the first ever centralized diversion fund in our state that really helped lay a lot of the foundations we were able to build upon. So it's really a beautiful thing that our two organizations are coming together now to kind of think creatively about how we can um, create and elevate the best practices we've learned and really make sure that young people are not exiting from systems of care. So that's child welfare, juvenile rehabilitation, behavioral health in the homelessness. And I have to say, um, I don't know if folks know, but something like a third of young folks from most of these systems will experience homelessness after exiting, something between like a fourth and a third. So uh, we're really excited to kind of be able to continue use, uh, using our learnings in like targeted ways like this going forward. 
I love that. I love the idea of being able to break down those invisible barriers across counties and communities to be able to sort of implement whatever resources we need around the state to see homelessness end in our state as opposed to specific counties. So shout out to all the folks who have pioneered, you know, a resource like the Centralized Diversion Fund before us who have allowed us to be able to learn and build on top of that for folks like Kiki and Anjali to be able to take those learnings and then implement those in our communities. And shout out to the folks who are in the communities doing the great work every day in the ground and the young people who stay resilient, who continue to prove that they know exactly what it is that they need and continue to go out and get it, despite the fact that sometimes the systems don't allow them to. But mm -hmm. we are here for that. And so let's talk a little bit about what you guys got going on in the next year. You guys got some exciting things coming up here in the near future. Department training and engagement is launching. We like to call it T&E for short. And, you know, some big things happening within the next year as we're expanding. We more than doubled the number of young people we've served with the HPDF within the last year. Who knows? Maybe that number will double again. But talk what you guys what do you guys got planned? What's going on? Let the folks know. Yeah. Anjali, do you want to talk about some of the upcoming stuff in HPDF? Then I can take a broader view at like the TNE as a whole, maybe we could do that way. Sure. Well, one thing we have coming up next week is we've got a learning circle for the providers, and we will be focusing on talking about sexual orientation and gender identity data collection um, because we know that those folks are disproportionately affected by systems. And we want to make sure that because we have such a low barrier, easily accessible, and quickly accessible fund, that those are the folks that are able to access them. We serve a lot of communities where we want to make sure that that we're, we're able to collect that data accurately and make sure that they're represented. Um, and we want to make sure that those are the folks that we're serving and like and learning from our data. So we really want to be able to explore what's going on, respond to what's going on, and have solutions that we're figuring out with the communities that we're serving. I love it. Yeah, and I will say Anjali has been like offering regular statewide trainings and we do have another one coming up but it's already full we already got over 60 folks signed up but we Anjali already has ones planned out for for the rest so i really encourage um people if you are in one of those counties we mentioned and you're like i want to go and be able to access this fund Anjali is the person you want to reach out to on that um and it's not you know like we know that queer folks and young people of color um work like our like this tool works particularly well for those young folks and i'm a firm believer that that is because we're bypassing the systems that have done them harm that we're not forcing them to go into a housing program where they have all these rules that aren't culturally responsive or sensitive or any of that right um and then we are punishing them when they don't fit into a mold that was never meant for them to fit into this is instead something that allows someone to never have to interact with whatever that that system is. And like I say, they can have these conversations, especially now that we've been active for so long. We have over 200 providers or more trained in each of these counties from across sectors where where that is able to happen. So. I will say we have another, uh, like our training and engagement department as a whole, we are getting ready to officially launch our statewide technical assistance that will really pick up in 2023. So what is statewide technical assistance, you might ask? 
those are basically just the trainings, webinars, resources, toolkits, um, and other consultation resources that we are working on providing to elevate the building blocks of our work, whether that be best practices around this flex funds or case conferencing or setting up a buy names list or, you know, what we do in every single day and we're starting to do better every single day, which is center solutions from young people um, and listen to what young people are telling us and act on that. So this event is November 9th, Wednesday from 1 to 2.30. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about the theory of change behind our department, like why are we doing this thing um, and some things to look forward to in the next six months. There will be an opportunity for you to like sign up for a list, so to speak, so you can stay in the loop on all of these uh, training opportunities that we have unfolding in the near future. All right. Second to last question we got going on. Um, so if folks want to know more about the training and engagement work happening in the next year, or if folks are out in the anchor communities and they're like, oh, my goodness, this HPDF sounds like an amazing thing. How can they get in contact with y'all to learn more? Well, I'm super excited. We just set a HPDF at awayhomewashington.org awesome. email address. So if you forget any of our names, just remember HPDF and Away Home Washington, and you'll be able to get in touch with us. But for more direct like questions, uh, you can definitely, uh, about our statewide technical assistance and training and engagement, that's me. Anjali is your go-to for um, HPDF. And I don't know if you have anything else you want to add to that, Anjali. And this is my shameless communications plug. Follow us on social media. Get on our mailing list. Get our newsletters. Get the info sent directly to your inbox. Go to our website which is horrible and we're revamping. So we should have a new one within the next year, but it's going to be dope. Stay up to date on all the amazing work that's happening with the training and engagement department, with the homelessness prevention and diversion fund, with the anchor community initiative, with the way home Washington as a whole, with all of our partners around the state and all of our partners around the country who are doing amazing things to reduce and ultimately end homelessness for a myriad of different populations. And so now that we're wrapping up, I always love to show love to folks. So this is your opportunity. Is there a resource that folks should know about? Is there an organization out in the community that is doing mm. amazing work? Let the people know, sprinkle that sauce on their name. Go ahead. I have to give a shout out again to Building Changes who really laid such a solid like really brought the centralized diversion fund model and piloted that like in our state and then just working with y'all through this partnership you know they are our mission driven to um, very similarly and they focus on education health um and school uh and housing needs for for families and students so yeah i would definitely check them out and don't be surprised if you see us working together again because it's been awesome <laughs> I have to give a small shout out or big shout out. I don't know. A shout out. Sorry. That was awkward. Um, a shout out to our fiscal admins who do amazing work and work with all of our providers. And I like they do so much work in processing all the requests that come in and help with eligibility requirements. Um, they are so awesome and on top of it. And I just like have all the love to send out to our homeless prevention and um, fund admins. 
and we can call them out. That's Volunteers of America in Spokane, Blue Mountain Community Foundation, who has a really close partnership with Blue Mountain Action Council and Walla Walla, uh, Yakima Neighborhood Health Services in Yakima, uh, Comprehensive Life Service Resources in Pierce, and then our newest one in Clark is Council for the Homeless. So because of y'all and your ability to like be there for for your community to access this fund that is the whole read like we're up here at the state level but that is the reason why we are seeing what we're seeing so thanks for calling that into the space honestly because you're so right i love it shout out to all the dope people in the communities doing the work holding it down it truly takes a village and we are one state so this is The Way Home Washington. We are signing off, ending youth homelessness. Join us next time for our podcast. Thank you. Bye. Bye.